Welcome to the show today. It was 1.30 p.m., March 21st, 2022, when Linda Fricky left her office job at an insurance company in New Orleans and walked to her car. It was parked at the curb outside the business where she had worked for 28 years. The grandmother probably had no thought of any imminent threat to her life or safety. And why would she? It was broad daylight with plenty of street traffic, pedestrians on the sidewalks. But within seconds of reaching her car, a horrific scene unfolded. Four carjackers, a male and three females, appeared out of nowhere. A security camera video shows the shocking event. The four assailants casually strolled past Fricky's vehicle and then in a quick about-face. <clears throat> the male suspect opened the driver door, sprayed mace at Fricky, and then began punching and stomping the grandmother. He violently dragged her or tried to drag her out of the car, but the poor woman's arm was caught in the seatbelt. Meanwhile, the three female accomplices opened the other doors and jumped in. The male carjacker slammed the door and took off, dragging Fricky as a bystander and other bystanders started screaming for them to stop. Fricky was dragged more than a block until her arm was ripped off her body and she bled out in the street as horror-struck witnesses and co-workers tried to staunch the bleeding. She was screaming. She was screaming to please let her go, and then they slowed down, opened the door to kick her out. An eyewitness, Leon Mascar, told Fox News Station, As soon as I saw her, I screamed. I just started running for her. I thought if I could somehow, I don't know what I could do, but I thought if I could just dislodge her from this car. When I looked down, her body was already there. Her arm was, it's just not something we'd expect to see. Such as a day in the life at New Orleans. That was written by William Jasper, one of the editors of The New American. Ladies and gentlemen, we are facing today a democratic-led, which is really communist-led, war on the police, war on cops. What happened in New Orleans took place with a 17-year-old by John Honore. Lynn Ray Theophile, 15, was one of the assailants. Markel Curtis, 15, and Bernia Baker, 15. All of them were arrested and charged with second-degree murder. I said it's a war on cops because Honore had been arrested before. He had been charged, actually, in an adult court before. He had had previous carjacking assault charges as well. He had a previous violent crime record. The allegations had been dropped, however, by D.A. Jason Williams. Honore had a previous carjacking incident also in June of 2020. And when Williams came to the New Orleans Parish DA office in January of 2021, he dropped the case against the 17-year-old Honore. Now think about his rap sheet for a moment. His prior charges include armed robbery, possession of firearms, auto theft, flight from officers, 18 counts of vehicle burglary. He's also charged with aggravated burglary after a violent home invasion of a relative in May 2020. And those charges were dropped when a relative dropped them, but he was arrested five more times while supposedly under house arrest. That is according to WBRZ News in New Orleans. So what's happening here in our country? Number one, we have soft-on-crime DAs 
that are funded by George Soros and Williams, Jason Williams, the DA of New Orleans, is one of them. Others include George Gascon in Los Angeles, Chessie Boudin in San Francisco, Kim Fox in Chicago, Larry Krasner in Philadelphia, Alvin Bragg in New York City, and many others. That's number one. And incidentally, we need to note that George Soros is a communist. Here's a communist who is sponsoring mayhem on our streets by putting into office people who are pro-communist. And what they want is, of course, disaster on the streets. They want mayhem on the streets in order that, of course, we may come down with totalitarianism to solve it later. That's number one, soft on crime DAs. And that is part of always has been part of the plot of communists. Number two, the practice of social justice, which is nothing more, nothing less than communism once again. Social justice is simply the equality of outcomes. There are too many minorities incarcerated as applied to the prison system, and thus they're going to turn them loose. The entire Democratic Party has been behind this disintegration in America. It includes ending cash bail, ending mass incarceration, ending mandatory prison sentences, ending prosecution of repeat juvenile offenders on adult charges, putting more violent criminals back on the streets. Ladies and gentlemen, this is communist ideology at work, and we're seeing it in America. And it's always followed by, as it has been practiced in history, totalitarian dictatorship. These are Marxists who are masquerading as progressive Democrats, and I'm tired of people simply referring to them as Democrats or even socialists. They're progressives indeed, but they're actually Marxist, and that's what they are. They're Marxists masquerading as progressive Democrats. Let's talk about New Orleans for a moment. October 2021. The Metropolitan Crime Commission, the MCC, stated this word for word. Quote, under D.A. Williams, the man whom we were just talking about, there's been a drastic decline in accountability for violent felony offenders. Violent felony crime increased precipitously in New Orleans over the last 18 months. Increased precipitously. For example, the New Orleans Police Department from January 2021 to September 2021, there were 1,411 felony arrests. Now, get the number, 1,400 felony arrests. But DA Jason Williams came into office. He dismissed, guess how many he dismissed? You just think about it in your head. Out of 1,400 felony arrests, how many did DA Williams dismiss? 937. The police department says that all categories of violent felonies have increased. Murder, attempted murder, robbery, carjackings, shootings, assaults, home home invasions, muggings. All of them have skyrocketed. They're off the map completely. According to the Metropolitan Crime Commission, the MCC, as of September 2022, get these figures. There are 52 murders, homicides, per 100,000 people in New Orleans. St. Louis, the number is 45 to 100,000. Chicago, which we consider to be one of the bloodiest cities, has only 18 to 100,000. And New York City has 3.5 to 100,000. There has been a 46% surge in this type of criminal activity under these 
DAs that are sponsored by George Soros, the Communist Party, the Democrats, and that's all they are. They're Marxists, and they're putting put into office continually. And now with the election upon us, get this, D.A. Williams wants to portray himself as tough on crime. The same thing is the case regarding the mayor of New Orleans, and her name is Latoya Cantrell. She has earned the nickname Latoya the Destroyer. She's supported by the group called Indivisible. She's supported by the group called Our Revolution. That's a Bernie Sanders group. And the Working Families Party. Now, you look up the Working Families Party on the Internet, and you'll see basically a communist front organization because that's what it is. It's a front organization for the CP USA Communist Party, United States of America. And it's called the Working Families Party. They're, supon- they're sponsoring many of these DAs who have been put into office to go soft on crime in order to create chaos on the streets. In other words, what is taking place in America, and particularly in these large cities, inner cities, is purposeful mayhem, purposeful crisis. That's what's going on. And they're doing it in order, of course, to bring about totalitarian control later. Consider the fact also that such DAs as Latoya Cantrell, being supported by those particular groups, the communist groups, she adopts climate change. Wouldn't you guess it? Climate change, abortion rights, LGBTQ rights, the critical race theory, which is nothing more than communism being taught, electric vehicles. And I say critical race theory being taught. It's being taught in our school systems all over this country. It's communism is all that it is. Electric vehicles, COVID mandates, lockdowns, those are the things she adopts. And she ignores, however, what she's really there to do, and that is the role of government, the primary role of government. She's the mayor. And D.A. Jason Williams, their primary role is what? Public safety. They don't care about public safety. No, they are tossing public safety out. As a matter of fact, Latoya the Destroyer supported a 14-year-old carjacker in court who had been a graduate of her Pathways Youth Internship Program. She had a program that she wanted, of course, to rehabilitate kids. That was what, of course, ostensibly it was to do. And it was created by her in 2019. She had a young man come through there, uh, come through that program. She went to court after he had committed a carjacking, and she was there to support not the not the one who had been offended, not the, not the victim of the crime, but the carjacker. It's amazing. American cities as a whole have become really a huge wasteland. Scott McKay, who is a New Orleans writer, calls it the weaponized government failure, WGF. Isn't that the way it is, really? Weaponized government failure. That is government purposefully, with malice aforethought, aforethought, malice aforethought, actually purposefully mismanaging these cities. The goal is to make the cities so unbearable that people will flee, and the only people that are left are the poor minorities who are left on the government dole, and they will always vote for these communists who are back in office. It is so bad that even CNN, Communist News Network, Chris uh, Kazilla, November 5, 2021, said this. 
Even Democrats are now admitting that defund the police was a massive mistake. Well, not only was it a massive mistake, ladies and gentlemen, it was deadly, a deadly mistake also. I think it's interesting. If we just stop right here, put a peg down, we'll come back to it in a moment. It's interesting to note that according to this writer, this is Chris Kazilla, C-I-L-L-I-Z-Z-A. Even Democrats, he says, are now admitting defund the police was a massive mistake. What is interesting about it is that Democrats are trying to run for office. They want you to think that they never were behind the defund the police movement, that they were all about refunding the police. As a matter of fact, isn't it also interesting that Joe Biden comes up and talks about refunding the police? Well, how were they defunded to begin with, Uncle Joe? They were defunded because of Democrats continually marching with Black Lives Matter demanding defund the police. Our memories are not that short. The Democratic Party has completely gone awry. They've gone right into the arms of communism, and they're creating such chaos on the streets of America. So the entire entire script has now flipped. There are now nearly two times as many black people are murdered in every single year as were lynched in the entire history of the Jim Crow South. You think about that. There are more than double as many black people are murdered every single year in these inner cities, whether it be Baltimore, Chicago, Philadelphia, New Orleans, St. Louis. Twice as many black people are murdered every single year as were lynched the entire history of the Jim Crow South. In other words, writes the Washington Examiner, today's Democratic defund agenda inflicted more death in minority communities than back when leaders of the same party were hiding behind white masks and burning crosses. That, of course, was the KKK, which was a Democrat Party organization. And they're doing exactly the same thing as they did now, except they've simply taken the hoods off. We'll be back in a moment. I mentioned before we went to break, that what the Democrats are trying to do at this point, basically the same thing as the Communist Party, they're trying to flip the script. And that is to say that it was always the Republicans who were trying to defund the police and that they were always behind funding the police, as if our memories are so short that we cannot remember just within the last two or three years when the Black Lives Matter squeezed money out of so many corporations and demanded the police be burned and defunded and prosecuted and that gave a rise in crime against the police. This was all Democrat-led. And now they say, well, we want to refund the police. So it's kind of interesting. A couple of things here. Number one, Joe Biden is pumping trillions of dollars into the likes of the LaToya Cantrell's. That's the mayor of New Orleans. And he says the Republicans are responsible for lawlessness and disorder. And so in the American Rescue Plan, which he says is to refund the police, it included, which included, by the way, and here's how they do it. They include billions and billions of dollars of pork, ludicrous pork. And Republicans, of course, get rid of or or do not vote for it. They turn it down, the American Rescue Plan. So that allows Biden to get up and say, well, the Republicans are against funding the police. No, they're against all the ludicrous 
billions of dollars of pork that you put into the bill. And the sad thing is the fake news media, the mainstream media today, the fake news media simply goes along with this. If people cannot see through this, then there's really no hope for you. But the real bottom line is this. We're moving from anarchy on the streets to tyranny, and that's where they're taking this. Their intention is the blatant weaponization of law enforcement at the highest level. So we're talking about the DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, the DOJ, Department of Justice, FBI. All of them, number one, refuse to enforce our borders. Number two, they refuse to investigate Hunter Biden, which we know the evidence is so clear against him. They refuse to investigate the obvious fraud in the 2020 election. By the way, you haven't heard anything about the 2000 Mules movie that that was put out by Dinesh D'Souza, except the people on True the Vote. They've been arrested now and put in jail because they won't give up their, their particular sources. This is what's going on with this, this DOJ and the DHS of Biden. They are arresting people on these kinds of charges and refusing to enforce the border, refusing to investigate Hunter Biden, refusing to investigate the obvious fraud in that election, the 2020 election. And yes, there was fraud in that election. They refuse to investigate the origins of COVID-19. And they refuse, of course, to answer congressional inquiries into the J6 prisoners. There are many prisoners from J6 who are there who have never been charged with anything. And they've been charged, or been held, rather, against their will for over a year. Now, that's what's taking place in the Biden administration. You know what? That is nothing less than communism. That's what's happening in our country. At the same time, they're prosecuting and persecuting the Trump advisors, General Michael Flynn, Carter Page, Roger Stone, Steve Bannon, Paul Manafort, Dr. Peter Navarro. Boy, they'll go nab them. They use SWAT teams and armored vehicles to go arrest Mark Houck, an abortion protester. You've seen pictures of him with his family. Sweet family. He's just standing outside abortion clinics and saying, no, this is, this is murder. And he's trying to convince people regarding abortion against abortion. They go with SWAT teams and arrest him and take him to jail, but all this other thing, no, they don't care about that. How about the leaking of false information against Matt Getz, calling him a pedophile? The DHS, the DOJ, the FBI, they're not interested in finding out about that false information. Or how about the devising of the fake kidnapping plot against Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer? Apparently, the FBI seemed to be involved in it, this fake plot, a kidnapping plot, to make it look like, because this is how the left operates. They come up with some plot like this to make it look like the right is actually doing something, and the right-wingers are all about trying trying to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer, when in point of fact, there's nothing of the kind. It's simply a plot that was hatched by government insiders. That's what's going on, and they devised the plot themselves. How about... The raiding of the Trump family estate, the Mar-a-Lago, are colluding with left-wing education groups to target as domestic terrorists. This is absolutely shocking. The upset parents who show up at school board meetings to protest the Marxist indoctrination of the little children that they have. That is, this is what the DHS is after. They're after you. They're after me. They're after free speech. 
and the conspiring that brings us to conspiring they have with big tech to censor news and opinions. And remember, as we as we've talked about on this program, you can go back and pick up the program two or three times ago, two or three weeks ago. Big tech is really a government entity, and it is so stated by law. We went through that carefully because of the protection of Section 230 and some of the codes that they have. They are actually government entities, and they are suppressing free speech. That's what the government's all about today. And when you have suppression of free speech, you have totalitarianism. That's what we have going on in America. All right, now before uh, we close the show today, I want to go to another topic, and we'll do that in just a moment, and that will be about the border problem. I want to talk about the border for just a few moments. We talked about the war on the cops, and now we want to talk about the border problem. Before we go to break, however, I do want to encourage you that we are now on Spotify. You can get that app, and Spotify has our shows, and it is under Patriotic Pulpit. That's how we're rebranding it because the YouTube has tried to, um, and they have gotten rid of us. They kicked us off, and, you know, they don't like what we say. So uh, they are, of course, censoring speech there. So YouTube censoring speech. So we've got on Spotify, and it's called Patriotic Pulpit. We're also on Amazon Music. You can find this show there under the same name, Patriotic Pulpit. I still have at this time American Liberty with Bill Lockwood website. And, of course, the articles that I uh, put out or publish are now published on the News Talk 1290 website. That's the News Talk 1290 website here in Wichita Falls. And still, so you'll find articles that I write on that website as well. So we'll be back in just a moment. When we think about the border problem, we're thinking about really an unconstitutional welfare problem. We'll talk about that in a moment. I have in front of me an article that's in the New American. It's called Americans are too obese or criminal to join the armed forces. This is where Americans are headed. Too obese or too criminal to join the armed forces. The fact that many potential recruits for the U.S. Army are too obese or criminal is adding to the historic low recruitment numbers not seen since the end of the Vietnam War. Lieutenant General Xavier Brunson, the commander of Joint Base Lewis-McChord in Washington State, told the Spokesman Review on September 6th that recruitment is so low that the Army won't meet its goal for 2022 of 485,000, falling short by a staggering 20,000 recruits. Wow, that's incredible, isn't it? One reason the recruitment numbers are so down is that fitness issues are causing dwindling interest in military service fitness issues. The growing sedentary lifestyle of young Americans has led to an obesity crisis. Sedentary, sitting at home, playing on television games, playing with playing all these little games that they play silly. Overweight and obesity among service members rose 73% from 2011 to 2015, according to the CDC. And these individuals are less likely to be medically ready to deploy. However, even with the challenges of achieving recruitment goals, Brunson remains optimistic that the nation's young people will still see value in serving. It's just a matter of figuring out how to overcome the obstacles in the recruitment process. He says some of the challenges we have are obesity, we have pre-existing medical conditions, we have behavioral health problems, and we have criminality, people with felonies, we have drug use. Brunson said this is not an Army problem. This is an American problem. The Army needs to enlist 
the help of key community influencers who can educate young people about military service and lower the gates of the Army by meeting those interested in serving halfway, Brunson said. The Army says it plans to focus on three principles in its increased recruitment efforts, maintaining its existing standards, focusing on quality rather than quantity, and investing in the youth of America. However, finding quality recruits is now a growing concern, isn't it, in America? In June, Army Chief of Staff General James McConville testified before Congress only 23% of Americans ages 17 to 24 are qualified to serve without a waiver to join, down from 29% in recent years. Only 23% are qualified to serve. So obesity and criminal records, sad, isn't it? That's what's taking place. We have the moral unraveling of America. All right, the border problem. What is the border problem? Really, the border problem is an unconstitutional welfare problem. I want to say, as we begin this particular segment, that I hear a lot of people, a lot of conservative pundits making comments such as that, well, Joe Biden or Kamala Harris, who's been appointed the border czar, should go down to the border and see what's happening. My answer to that is why? Why should they go? They know what's happening. They're creating it purposefully. They know what they're doing. They don't need to go down and look at anything. They know what's happening. They're doing it on purpose. I don't understand why people say, well, they need to go down and look at it. <laughs> it's ridiculous. They, they did this. This was, their, this was their goal from the beginning. And the great replacement theory is actually true. They exactly what they want to do. It was in the USA Today this week. They said the Democrats, and I'm paraphrasing here, Democrats have relied upon the border, that is, people coming across the border, that is, the Mexicans and those South Americans coming across to support the Democratic Party and help them, ele- help them out in the election, and that may now be backfiring upon them. It's interesting that USA Today actually stated that because that's what they all want to deny. We'll talk about that in a later show. But the border problem really is a bigger problem of an unconstitutional welfare problem. So the Biden administration always tries to hide the reality of the gigantic national crisis it has created on the southern border. And it pushes America to the point of financial and cultural collapse. And American people could see it clearly. Thus far, these numbers come from the Federation for American Immigration Reform, FAIR. Thus far, over 2.7 million illegal immigrants, 2.7 million, have encountered, been encountered at our border this fiscal year, 2022, bringing us to the total number of a whopping 5.5 million. Dan Stein, president of FAIR, charged this. This is a deliberate sabotage of our nation's immigration laws. It is also the purposeful undermining of our national integrity. And I will even say this, it is a purposeful sabotage of destroying America. This is exactly what the Democratic Socialist Communist Party wants to do. Destroy this country, and they're doing it by open borders. Consider the costs, for example, of the Biden-driven destruction of law and order. First of all, illegal aliens are much more likely to commit crimes 
than lawfully present immigrants. The federal government has a state criminal alien assistant program. It's called SCAAP. And that provides cash, federal cash, of assistance to states and localities that incur correctional officers' salary costs. And so the federal spigots are wide open to the states. Secondly, even in the states where there are fewest illegal aliens, such as whether it be Idaho, Montana, so forth, the fewest illegal aliens, they cost the American taxpayers $454 million annually. That dwarfs the total spending on illegal immigration, which exceeds, the figure is, it's hard to believe, $132 billion. That's how much the American worker is being built by our unmanageable open border policies. And as Trump would say continually, if you don't have a border, you don't have a country, and that's exactly where we are. And we have a few days before the election, and we can try to take our country back, but right now we are losing our country simply by the open border policies of Joe Biden. Now, thirdly, not content with inviting third-world countries to crash our gates at the expense of John Q. Citizen, Biden proposes payments of up to $450,000 to each illegal alien that was caught entering our country in 2018. That would be during Trump's administration. He says they deserve some kind of compensation. So not only is he opening the gates and crashing the borders for illegals to come into this country in mass, but now he's going back and wants to pay Force the American taxpayer, you and me, to pay those illegal aliens compensation for being arrested for breaking our laws to begin with. This is absolutely, astoundingly, incredibly lawless. And it is led by the President of the United States. I cannot believe he's our president. That is just the most, the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Now, none of these payments take into account the millions of dollars of Social Security, false Social Security cards, which allows illegals, incidentally, two years to access the Social Security that we have, or the temporary protective status, the TPS, the huge cost of education. We haven't even considered that into these figures. How did that atrocity become the norm? How did all of these atrocities, how did this become normal in America? Well, the real problem is traceable to a deeper systemic malady. Democrats love to talk about systemic problems. Here's the systemic problem. It's one that Democrats have caused and created and fostered through the years. It's called the unconstitutional welfare system. Our founding fathers made every single possible effort to render the silly utopian schemes of redistributing wealth, that is money taken from one person and given to another, absolutely unconstitutional. And the reason is simple. It is immoral. Ladies and gentlemen, it is immoral. Samuel Adams famously stated it this way. The utopian schemes of leveling, that is redistribution of wealth, and community of goods, central ownership of all means of production and distribution, are as visionary and impracticable as those which vest all property in the crown. These ideas are arbitrary, despotic, and in our government, you ready for this word? Unconstitutional. Unconstitutional. Samuel Adams. J. 
James Madison, the father of the Constitution, stated in 1794 that when Congress appropriated $15,000 for relief for French refugees who fled an insurrection in Haiti and settled in Baltimore and Philadelphia. Now, this was $15,000. That's all they were trying to appropriate. He stated, I cannot undertake to lay my finger on that article of the Constitution which granted the right of Congress of expending on objects of benevolence the money of their constituents. It's unconstitutional. The father of the Constitution so stated. You know the late, great Walter Williams. I hope that you've read him. His articles are still, of course, extant, and you can read so many things from him and learn from him as I have. He points out, that two-thirds of today's federal budget is spent on objects of benevolence. That includes, and these are unconstitutional, Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, aid to higher education, farm and business subsidies, welfare, ad nauseum. And now we're paying illegal aliens to crash our own borders while punishing the Border Patrol for seeking to enforce the laws, which is what they were hired to do. That's the upside-down country in which we live. What happened along the way? Well, we had several Democrat presidents who played hardball with Congress and the Supreme Court. Notably among them were, number one, Franklin Roosevelt, Lyndon Johnson, and they were successful in shredding our Constitution to bits. And once the floodgates were open to unconstitutionally stealing money from the American taxpayer and redistributing it to other entities, be they individuals or corporations that were being bailed out, there's no stopping the precedent was laid in the principles of a Robin Hood government have been laid carefully in the past century. So now we're at the mercy of a runaway train that redistributes our earned money to those who do not even belong in this country. It is time to stop it if we want to save the country at all. I want to talk a little bit more about welfare, unconstitutional system that we have in our country. Before I do that, I want to once again mention that you can go find this program on Spotify. It's an app, and it is under Patriotic Pulpit. You can find it also under Amazon Music, and uh, there will be other platforms as well coming along the way. The articles I write are on News Talk 1290 website. Now, I also have, because I'm a preacher in the Churches of Christ, the pulpits of the Churches of Christ, I also have articles, sermons put up, and they are on iowaparkcoc.org, iowaparkcoc.org. I'm at the Iowa Park Church of Christ, so iowaparkcoc.org. And I'll tell you one thing. I don't, I don't pull back from mentioning some of these issues as illustrative of violations of biblical principles. And, for example, welfare is one of them. So let's talk about it for just a moment. The biblical scholar R.C. Foster observed over 100 years ago that the rejection of Jesus— by his hometown of Nazareth in Luke chapter 4 was partly due to the most common and worst of crimes, ingratitude. He writes, It is often true that the more that is done for unworthy people, the less they appreciate it and the more they presume upon the generosity of others and grow in the false grandeur of their own conceit. Now that this is self-evidently true is seen in the sad reality that is now engulfing America. Ingratitude. In the Washington Examiner several years ago, there was this article. It featured a Democratic Texas representative, Al Green. And he was claiming, now this is during Trump's administration, he was, 
He was claiming that Trump's impeachment was necessary to deal with the original sin of slavery. And here's how he said it, or here's how it was reported. During the Saturday appearance on MSNBC, the congressman cited an interest in acting on behalf of people of color. I do believe, ma'am, that we have to deal with the original sin, Green told host Alex Witt. We have to deal with slavery. Slavery was the thing that put all of what President Trump has done lately into motion. It's the insidious scion of racism. The president has played on racism, and he's used that as a weapon to galvanize a base of support to mobilize people. Let's think about that for just a moment, stepping back, thinking about what R.C. Foster had to say in gratitude. You know, prior to the creation of our welfare state in America, which was crafted by FDR primarily, charity was practiced by individuals, churches, and private organizations. There was a formula that the founding fathers wanted to follow, and that was, number one, an individual helps himself first. Number two, a a family member, his family member or her family members help them. Number three, the local church or the churches where they worship, they should help. Number four, if that is not sufficient, then the community, the local community. If that is not sufficient, then we go to the county. And if that is not sufficient, then the state level. Now, that was the formula, but never, never, never in their wildest dreams, and as a matter of fact, they put a lock stock and on the barrel, and that is you can never take it to the federal system because when you do that, you're going to create a welfare state and destroy America. That's exactly what happened in the 20th century with people like FDR and LBJ, and it actually started earlier with Woodrow Wilson. Well, the formula of the founding fathers was so successful, there was no record of people dying in the streets because of lack of food. There was no people dying because of lack of shelter or medical assistance. I know that Hollywood likes to portray that people were cold-hearted and didn't take care of individuals that came over here from, for example, Catholic Ireland. Americans instead were the most generous people on earth. That's what exactly Alexis de Tocqueville found when visiting our country from France in 1831 and 1832. Now, that's how it was done. We took care of our our own people, and people were responsible for themselves, their families, their church members, their larger family, family organizations, the local communities, the county. Enter now the welfare state of the federal government. It has helped create the opposite of its stated goal of alleviating the poor. Why do I say it's the opposite? Because the opposite has occurred. And do you think this is by accident? No, no, it is not. Poverty continues to rise in America. And the sense of entitlement has followed close on its heels. And it's the worst of crimes. Remember R.C. Foster's statement, the ingratitude of people in Jesus's Nazareth. We have ingratitude. It has become so commonplace. It's now morphed into a boiling hatred for whites in many minority communities, and you can see it, you can hear it, and you can feel it. See the statistics, for example, on the recipients of state-sponsored welfare. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, approximately 21.3 percent of the people in the United States participated in in major means-tested, government-assisted programs each month in 2012. 
Now, this is, of course, 10 years ago. Participation rates for the black population at that time was 41.6%. 41.6%. Hispanics, 36.4%. Asians or Pacific Islanders, 17.8%. And lastly, by non-Hispanic whites, 13.2%. Stating the obvious, the Bureau, that's the U.S. Census Bureau now, concluded that blacks were more likely to participate in government assistant programs in an average month. What was going on? If you read anything about LBJ, you know very well what was going on. He stated it just as plainly as can be said. As a matter of fact, too plain that I'm not going to repeat it on this program because he said, we'll have all those blacks, he used another word, voting Democrat the rest of their lives. And that's exactly how they looked at it. Added to the overt financial assistance from the public trough, minority communities have also been favored recipients of government policies such as affirmative action, which is right now under the gun, and has been touted as necessary to fight the enduring effects of racism. Our entire culture is saturated with affirmative action policies, and the white people are not supposed to even know that it exists, or at least you can't act like it, whether it be educational institutions, medical schools, law schools, even the military itself, even even Texas Education Association, the TEA, has quotas on how many minorities can be punished in the, out of the classroom and put into alternative educational settings. We've been over this before regarding uh, different organizations called the Appleseed Program, Texas Appleseed Program in, America, uh, in Texas. The Appleseed Program, which takes this cue from the TEA, does exactly the same thing. Even the military's about it. We're seeing now articles, many articles, they're saying, well, we've got to have more women pilots. We have to have black pilots. You know what? Pertaining to many of the blacks, they don't want to be pilots. You go, matter of fact, it's not just me speaking. In Montgomery, Alabama, Alabama State University, the dean of the school, a college for black men and women, the dean of the school says very plainly, said at one point, said, look, he said, you know what? In the engineering departments all across the country, all across America, do you know what the percentage of whites and blacks and women are concerning those who have entered engineering? Well, the whites would be very, very high and the minorities very, very low. But you know what? He says, right here in Alabama State University, you know how many black males are in the engineering department, even though they, they beg them to come into it? Very, very low. They don't want to be in it. We are ignoring the will of people and individuals, and we're assuming that one reason or the primary reason for all of the problems that we see, whether it be in education or in business or whatever it may be, is because of white prejudice. That is absolutely flawed. Well, let's go back to Al Green for a moment. Al Green simply seethes hatred for America. His comments regarding slavery is absolutely ludicrous. Talking about impeaching Trump. Perfect example. He wanted to impeach Trump because of what? Slavery. To Green, you see, everything is colored by racial tones. It's absolutely incredible 
that we can have had this kind of indoctrination, communist indoctrination, take over so many people in America that now they're leaders of America, and Obama has been part of it too, and they spout it, and all of us have to play shut mouth and act like we don't understand what's being said. No, that's ridiculous. Enough is enough. And you know what? Atonement is never going to be found. That's the way hate works, because it's hatred at the bottom of it. Hate is a leviathan. It's an insatiable appetite. Hate always hungers for more. It is never satisfied. Al Green is afflicted with it, and so have many Democrats. They're hating America, and it is never going to be satisfied. It is a leviathan with an insatiable appetite. The original sin of which Al Green speaks is really his own ingratitude, and that's exactly what's taking place with the Democratic Party and the people who have been on welfare for so many, many years. It's so sad to see our country seething with hatred, but we've created ourselves.